great and joining us on this beautiful midweek before the long weekend. And so this is a great way to, to have church and to be together. And uh, thank you. If you're a first-time guest, a special welcome to you and glad you could be here. I know it's hot and uh, we're even hotter, but what a great way to just worship together and celebrate God's goodness and some classic songs there. Those were part of Karina's uh, you know, uh, top 10 list. And so we were, we were singing kind of, you know, some of her favorites and that was, those were some of my favorites too. So that's great. You know, we're talking about the difference. What is the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life? And last week I, I talked about, uh, this guy named Stefan and, and I just want to clarify, um, cause my boys asked me this question is like, did, did your dad really keep a list? And just in case, you know, my siblings are watching these videos, they're going to be like, Dad didn't keep no list, you know. And, but, uh, you know, so I, I told a story, and I, and I talked about this little boy that kept a list. Now, I think he did keep a list, but not like a, a written list. But in his head, he knew that he never measured up to God's standards. He told me that as an adult. Like, he's like, man, I just felt like I could never quite make it on my own until I discovered the difference that Jesus makes. And that's what we're talking about this summer. And if you're in your little... Uh, Handouts there on the back page is the text for today. It's Romans chapter 5. And the book of Romans is a book all about the difference that Jesus makes. It's a book which kind of outlines uh, from the Apostle Paul, a first century uh, church planner. He was writing this church, church in the book in the city of Rome. And he's like, let me explain the gospel to you. The first three chapters, he basically says, we all stink. We're all hopeless, helpless. Without hope, you know, we, we can't do anything on our own. We stand before God, condemned, judged, j- declared guilty because of our sinfulness. And we can't do anything to change that reality on our own. That's Romans chapter 1 to 3 with a few little side bits in there. Romans chapter 4, he says, well, there's a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament. He's justified by faith. And at the end of chapter 4, before the verse, which you'll see on the back of your little sheet there, he talks about Jesus and he says, he was given over because of our transgressions and was raised for the sake of our justification. Now, he's, he's really big on this, on this idea of, of us dealing with our guilty standing, you see, because today we're talking about the difference that Christ makes in our standing before God. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, look, the reality is your standing before God is, is really bad. It's, it's horrible. It's, it, you, don't, you, you can't do anything about your standing, but Jesus Christ did everything that you need to do to change your standing with God. And that's what he talks about here in chapter 5, and verse 1 of Romans. And if you'll notice in this passage, the little five verses, they're printed on your little handout. There are, there are several times he says in this little group of verses, we have, we have, we have, we have. And this is the difference that, that Paul wants you to understand. The Bible wants to teach us here tonight in this hot parking lot. What is the difference in our standing? Well, look, we'll look at the difference. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've been declared righteous by faith. And of course, the picture here is is of a law court where the criminal comes up and and the the verdict is given. You're guilty. The punishment for that guiltiness is is death and separation from God. And, and, And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm willing to take that punishment for them. And so then the verdict changes to not guilty. And the verdict changes to, to, from guilty to, to being declared righteous, to, to being pure and clean, and, and, and the slate is clean before God. And, and you're given this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand, some of you might think of peace, and you might think of, you know, 
sitting on a yoga mat, you know, with, you know, your fingers crossed and legs, you know, folded. You might, you might think of Kung Fu Panda and, and Master Shifu who's, you know, sitting by a lake and, and meditating and, you know, inner peace. And, and that's not what he's talking about here. It's not something you're going to find in a yoga class or in Pilates or in some, you know, seminar out in the mountains. I mean, this is not the kind of peace he's talking about. The peace he's talking about here is the cessation of strife. It's the end of hostility. It's the reconciliation of two parties together. If you've ever had a fight with someone, and all of you have, and you've resolved that fight, you know what this peace means. You know, it's, it's the difference between sleeping in the doghouse and sleeping in your bed, right? You know what I'm saying? Peace, right? You know, it's the difference b- between, you know, uh, you know, walking in, into the school with confidence and walking into school afraid you're going to see that person in the hallway. It's, it's peace. And it's like this peace gives you the ability to walk into God's presence with confidence. Why? Because because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a different standing now before God. You're not an enemy of God. You're a friend of God. And you have this peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not it. He says, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. It's access, it's peace. So let me tell you a story about a guy named Martin. Some of you know about Martin. Martin lived 500 years ago in Germany. Martin was a very smart kid, brilliant kid. In fact, he finished his lawyer training before in quicker time than anyone previous to him. He graduated. He was prepared to become a lawyer. He's walking home one night on his way home, and there's a lightning storm, and lightning strikes right next to him. And he's like, okay, God, I'll be a, I'll be a, a monk, you know, and that's it. And he, and he leaves his path of law, to become a lawyer and joins, uh, you know, a monastery. And Martin was a good monk, one of the best. And what they taught in that monastery was this idea of penance. Some of you grew up with this idea. Maybe some of you still have this idea that I need to pay back God for my sins with my own behaviors. This was huge 500 years ago for Martin. So you would, you know, pray through prayers ad nauseum. You got up, he got up at 2 in the morning for worship, went back to bed. Got up again at 3.30 for worship, then went back to bed. You know, he had this strict regimen. He would confess to his fellow monks, you know, on a regular basis. And he'd be leaving the confessional and be, oh, I forgot a sin. And he'd run back. He would literally flog himself to identify with the sufferings of Christ and to somehow pay for his sinfulness. He, would, he was in Rome going up on his knees up, up, the, up, up the stairs in, in the St. Peter's Basilica trying, or, or no, it wasn't St. Peter's yet, but it was, they were building that. He's trying to earn God's favor and he was like, it's not working, it's not working. Because he knew that he quite, hadn't quite got the righteousness that he required to stand in God's presence. He was perpetually guilty. I mean, one time he, he slept on the stone bed trying to, to experience the sufferings of Christ. That wasn't enough. So he went outside and slept in the snow. And he's like, it's not, nothing is working. And finally, he's crawling up the stairs in, in, you know, in, in, in this church and he's praying the Lord's Prayer and he's going through all these. And then suddenly, this verse comes to mind that he'd been studying in the book of Romans and it says, the just shall live by faith. And it just hit him. That in order to experience this justification, this change in standing before God, it was simply 
him believing in the provision of Christ for him, not him flogging himself, not him sleeping in the snow, not him getting up at two, four, six in the morning and praying and doing all, not, not him, you know, you know, crawling on his knees and, and, and repenting and, you know, confessing his sins to his fellow monks. It was him simply believing in what Jesus Christ did for him. And Martin Luther experienced a change in his life. For the first time, he had peace through simple faith in Jesus Christ. And he found himself in this place of standing before God. It says there, into the grace in which we stand. This position of, of, of God's grace, not of God's judgment, not of, you know, God's, God, God's, you know, holding him accountable for every little thing or, or, you know, he's ever thought or said or did. It's God saying, you're okay with me because you believe in my son, Jesus Christ. That's the standing of grace. I hope you understand that tonight. God's not waiting, holding his big Bible to pound you on the head. He's extending to you his son, Jesus Christ, as the offer of grace. So you can have a standing before him based on what Christ has done for you. This was Martin Luther's experience. And it says that not only do we have this access by faith into this grace, but we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Earlier on, Romans chapter 3 says, we've all fallen short of God's glory. Roman, Martin Luther understood this. He's like, God's glory standard is here. All of us are down here. Even the best, nicest, hardest working person, good works doing person, never achieves God's glorious standard. We've all fallen short of that, but through the, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we can experience his grace and rejoice in the hope of God's glory. But it's interesting. If you got your little sheet there, he says in verse 3 this really strange thing, the difference that Jesus makes. This is the difference when you have this standing before God. You see in verse 3 it says there, not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. You know, some of you rejoiced when COVID hit, right? You students at school, right? You rejoiced, yeah, no school, you know? Some of you got a break from work and you rejoiced, yeah, no work, you know? So, I mean, some other of you were not rejoicing. You're like, oh no, kids at home, oh, you know? It was, that was the hardship, that was the trial, right? Some of you, though, now, most of us are not rejoicing anymore. I mean, here we are out on the stage. Uh, we'd rather be inside there in the air conditioning. I mean, we're you know, it's a different reality. You guys are putting masks on at work and scrubbing up and gloves and this one and that and reports. I tried to visit someone in the hospital yesterday and I had to, you know, give my whole life history and, you know, an eyeball scan and, you know, DNA. I mean, not quite, but it was, it felt like it. It was like, man, I'm just trying to say hi and pray for someone. And they're like, you know, you know where have you been? You know, and I, you know, and asking all these personal questions and I'm like, okay, you know, I don't have COVID, you know, but anyway, so we rejoice in sufferings, or tribulation may be the word. You know, the tribulum in, in Latin was this piece of timber with spikes in it that they would drag over grain to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. And God brings these hardships, real hardships, into our life to, to improve us, to develop us. And because of our standing in Christ, we can view the difficulties in life from a different perspective. He says, look, suffering produces endurance. You know, endurance is that stick-to-itiveness, 
that never quit attitude. It's the person or the people or the group that, that keep persevering despite the obstacles that they face. It's what most, it's what my grandparents did when they came to Canada. They came to a, a pot of land in north of Edmonton full of trees and bush and muskeg and swamp and carved a life foot by foot, meter by meter, acre by acre, and created a life that I, as their grandchild, is enjoying today. It's that endurance. He's like, you know what? Hardships, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. Character is, is, is a word that means, you know, something that's proven and tested. You know, it's something that, that you know you can rely on. It's done the job, and it's proven itself to, to be able to get the job done. He's like, you know, this produces character, and character results in hope. And hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In light of everything that's going on, the difference that Jesus makes is that we have a whole new perspective on everything that goes on in our life. Even the difficult things. Even the challenges. And Steve and Karina are going to face some challenges. They already are, and they will more. And each of us will at different stages of our lives. And, and you know, we've got graduates that are going off to college, they think, maybe, who knows, you know. We, we've got people looking for jobs. We've got people retiring. We've got people at every stage of life, people welcoming babies into this world and wondering, what kind of future will my child have? And then we come to this truth, the difference in standing, and we're reminded that through Jesus Christ, we have this hope that does not disappoint. Governments will disappoint you. Heck, even pastors will disappoint you. Churches will disappoint you. Your family will disappoint you. Your retirement plan will disappoint you. You'll buy that new toy, and in, in a week, it will disappoint you. But the hope in Jesus Christ never disappoints. Because every morning as you walk with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, which fills your heart, reminds you how loved you are as his child, and he is with you no matter what you're going through. The difference in standing. I mean, where do you put your hope today? I don't know. I, I read through these emails and blogs and this and that, and I'm like, boy, like it's such a... You know, who knows? But then I come to God's word and I say, you know, Jesus, that, that's it. That's the standing. That's, that's solid. That's secured. I mean, it's like, yeah, suffering's coming, hardship's coming, toil's coming, real hardship's coming, but that will produce endurance. Endurance will produce character. Character will produce hope. And that hope will not disappoint. And that's the difference that Jesus makes. And having Jesus brings meaning to every component of your life. If you don't have Jesus today, I invite you. This is the cross. This kind of makes this a sanctified space because this is church. We're church right now. And the difference that Jesus makes is what new life is all about. That we want to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And moving up is also means moving through the difficulties and the challenges that, that each of us will face. And I know all of you at different stages, at different times, in different places, and in different ways are experiencing those. But understand God is doing his work in and through those. And that's the difference that Jesus can make in your life. It changed Martin Luther's life. It changed the whole Protestant movement for, for 500 years till this very day because he discovered this truth. We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so as we navigate COVID, I mean, we don't know what's going on. We're probably having two services in the, in the fall. We're going to try to figure out children's ministry. I was talking to Elisa and Marianne this week about, okay, we got to re-engage with our kids. We want to teach our kids. We want to train our kids. What does that look like? I don't know. It's a mess. It's scary. But we're like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to find a way. Why? Because we have Jesus. He'll guide us through. And I thank you for your patience and the fact that you're here tonight. We're trying to make this work as best as we can. But this truth transcends our circumstances. Hope does not disappoint. Look at all the things we have when we have Jesus. He is a difference maker. We have this standing. We're declared not guilty, righteous because of Jesus Christ. And as a result of all those things, we have this grace in which we stand and we can rejoice and we have the hope and we rejoice in our sufferings because you know God is going to accomplish something real great in our lives. So when things get tough and tight and hard, think, just get excited. Think, oh, God's got something big going on for me right now. And that's what's happening for new life. We're getting squeezed, but we believe God has great things in store for us. And I believe that for each of you as you follow and trust in Jesus Christ in these days ahead. Would you join me in prayer? Team's going to come up and lead us in a closing song. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do that just where you are today. It's a simple prayer of faith. For Martin Luther, it happened on stairs, and he just realized the just will live by faith. Christ died for me, he rose again, and through, his, through believing in him, I, I can be forgiven and, and come to a right relationship with God forever and ever. Father in heaven, I pray for your church family here that you would give us the encouragement that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and that we could look forward to our future with the hope that he alone can bring. And so I pray you would guide us and lead us in these days ahead and that the difference that Jesus makes would be clearly seen in our lives and experienced in our lives this week and, and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.